Welcome to the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller, thanks for joining us. We're going to have a little fun here on Saturday. Wanted to give you a Stephanie update. Wow, she has had her hands full. And there's going to be quite a story when she gets back with us, probably in March, because health has been uh, part of the story for her. And she just had a little minor surgical procedure. So I'm going to be interested, as I'm sure you will, to find out her thoughts on the astrology around these things that have been taking place in her life. We're hoping here over the next little bit to be able to get a couple of uh, episodes and complete that Elements series that she was working on. Then she and her husband are moving across the country. So we're going to give them a little space to get all of that done, and then she'll be back with us full swing in uh, on the other side of that. But I'm uh, after everything I was had been through with my own move, let's give her a little space and not add one more log into her fireplace. Now, before we get started on questions, we had one message that came in yesterday from the husband of one of our course participants and listeners, Jessica Robbie. And Sunday, tomorrow, the 9th, is her birthday. And her husband left a message asking if we would wish Jessica Robbie happy birthday, said it would mean the world to her. Obviously, yes, <laughs> we're happy to do that, especially when somebody takes the time to leave a message. Jessica, we love you. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope that uh, you have a wonderful, absolutely beautiful Capricornian birthday. Now, let's roll some questions. Yeah, my name is Adrian. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast, and I have a question thinking about Jupiter moving into Pisces, which is the natural 12th house of the Zodiac. Do I look at my own 12th house, which would be like a Libra Scorpio area for me, or do I look at Pisces in my chart? Thanks, Thomas. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Adrian. You're so sweet. I really appreciate it. And she sent that in right after Christmas, right before New Year's. So what a great time. Sorry I didn't get to it a little closer to the question, but we'll do it now. So we're talking about one of the biggest themes of 2022. This Jupiter in Pisces is going to be significant, as we talked about last week, especially on Thursday, if you didn't catch that podcast. But Tuesday and Wednesday were lead-ups to it as we follow the moon from Capricorn to Aquarius, then finally into Pisces. Just was a cool little aside. It wasn't anything big prominent. I mean, the moon moves all the time. But I just thought, wow, that was such an indicator of these energies where the universe is pointing us into this spiritual pursuit. Now, something that I've really been present to even over the last two days is the shadow side of this. And the shadow side is going to be confusion, fogginess, lacking clarity, not having your compass pointing in any, any kind of direction. Your compass is spinning. And that, I think, is going to be part of some of this year's energy for us all. Now, we will be able to use some transits, obviously, to work with that, as we always can and do. But I just think that we should be aware not to be afraid of a little bit of confusion, a little bit of misdirection. I've mentioned on here in the past what I do for myself, knowing that I have a very strong Neptune placement chunk right on top of my sun is that I rely on people who know me and know me well and know who I'm about and what I'm interested in 
to periodically give me guidance. And the fact that many of them are podcast listeners is even better because then I'm able to put it in the context of what we talk about here, and that's how they frame their answers. So it's good to have a shoulder to lean on when the sky is foggy. Now, what Adrian is asking simply is, where do I find this energy concentrated most in my own chart? Well, some of that depends on where the aspects are. But yes, a really good place to start is by looking at where Pisces is in your chart. If you're looking at at, uh, Placidus, then that could be straddling a couple of houses. Of course, if you're looking in whole sign, then it would be one entire sign one entire house with that sign, (laughs) a whole sign. So that's where you would look first, yes. And then realizing that, sure, the 12th house is a little bit activated, and that we could look at some themes there. That's definitely, to me, a secondary place to look. In the 101 course, we talk about annual perfections and what that is all about. And this is kind of like an annual perfection. It's almost like a theme that's going to be there in your life for this year. So yes, what area of your life might that unfold? Find Pisces in your chart, what house corresponds to that, and you've got an answer of what is going to be a little bit more lit up for you this year. Thanks, Adrian. Great question. Hello, Thomas. Is it best if you are trying to do a love compatibility to go off the sun sign or the moon sign? Just curious. Thank you. You bet. And thanks for a great question. Yes. And yes. And the rising sign and all the aspects, too. (laughs) In fact, you can cast several types of relationship charts. All right. Now, let's think about this. So if you want to look at some compatibilities, one thing you can do is just take the two natal charts and put one on top of the other. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to set the outer wheel, the outer chart, the outer person to the positions of the inner person. So you can flip them back and forth. You'll get two different perspectives. Read them in different ways, but the houses will change. Obviously, the sign placements will stay in alignment with each other, but the houses will change. Now, that's just a basic comparison chart of the two people. Now, you can get into a synastry chart, and Astro.com, under their Frequently Asked Questions, under Charts and Chart Types, has an article about the different types of chart types that you can do in this in searching relationships. And the one that I wanted to also point out is one that, and we're not going to get in the weeds on this, but it's called the Davison Midpoint Chart, or the Davison Relationship Chart. It uses basically the midpoints of the midheavens to compare to construct the chart. There's information in there, but that's another very handy way to look at what two people's combined chart looks like. So you can take the individual and just put one on top of the other and then switch them around. And then you can also use one of these midpoint or combined midpoint charts for Sinastri, looking at two different charts in comparison. Now, here's for relationships, I always like to start with the sun signs to see what the how they line up around the chart, basically. That's going to give you some idea of how that relationship might unfold. So, in other words, are you dating your same sign? That has some interesting aspects and elements to it. Are you dating someone whose sign is in a trine to yours? 
And let me tell you, that doesn't always mean a bed of roses, not by any means, but it does set a tone. It's going to be perhaps a little bit smoother when the rough areas come up. Are you uh, with someone whose sign might square yours? Well, again, that doesn't mean a disaster, and it doesn't mean uh, march straight off to the divorce court if you decide to get married. It's not a curse. It's how the relationship is going to be structured. And I think another thing that you have to do, and, and obviously we grow through relationships, is you have to consider, is this how does the chart read this particular relationship? Is it going to be one of doing a lot of karmic business? And you can definitely see that in the chart. You can see that of a potential partner of this is going to be a relationship that we are going to roll up our sleeves and we are going to do some karmic business on each other (laughs) or with each other. But you're going to use each other as triggers. And that has to be a really uh, especially set up type of relationship to say, when we get in the ring, here's how it's going to work out. Here are the, here's how we're going to define how we're going to do this. But I'll tell you, in that kind of a situation, and that might actually be not a trine or a sextile or a conjunct kind of uh, alignment in the chart, you might be in squares or oppositions, but you might do some of the most important karmic work or soul work that you could never do in a quote-unquote easier configuration. Kind of what do you want out of that relationship? And if you have two conscious people working together, then you can say, hey, let's roll up our sleeves and give this a try. I mean, we, you can really make some incredible progress. The moon sign is going to be what to look for when emotions are on the table, which is often in relationships. So in other words, how do they process uh, upsets? Do they get angry? Aries moon, for example. Or... Might they be a little bit more sullen and sulking? Cancer moon, for example, or Pisces moon. Or might they withdraw a Scorpio moon? Might they need time to themselves? You got to give space. How about a Taurian moon? They just don't want conflict at all. (laughs) Keep the peace and we're all happy. And that would also probably be said for a Libran moon as well. And then I would certainly be looking at the aspects. So in other words, where do certain planets line up with each other? What about Mercury? How do your Mercuries fit? Well, that's going to tell you how you're going to communicate. What about your Saturn and Plutos? There's going to be where the challenges hit. Are they in the seventh house? Well, then you're stepping into a relationship that is going to do karmic business, like we were talking about. Is it uh, that you might have Pluto in the second house? Maybe you're meant to make a lot of money together. Mars. Where is Mars? That might show up on some of the ways that you're going to act out of anger. You know, when anger is the alternative and the chosen path, <laughs> you might sh- you might shed a little bit of light on where the anger might be, or it might also show where the hot passion is as well. So the thing that you learn pretty quickly is to read the whole chart because there is so much great information entombed or encased in that entire wheel that you just go digging out all of it. And that's the beautiful part of learning astrology. And we have a course to help you do that, by the way. And I always will have to mention that because the 101 course kind of helps keep the wheels going around here. So check that out. It's on the funastrology.com webpage. Hi, Thomas. I just had a quick question. I was just wondering what happens when a transit new moon conjuncts a 
natal north node. For example, the Capricorn new moon is conjunct my Capricorn north node. Thanks so much. Love the show. Thank you. And that brings up really kind of the theme that we talked about last week, actually. That question came in when I wasn't able to get right to it. But what she's asking is about triggers. So remember, when we're talking about what's going to activate you at any given period of time, of course, life can always happen, right? We have the umbrella of synchronicities, and I don't think those are necessarily tied to a transit in the chart. The universe can come get our attention. And I think that those are often correlated straight to life purpose stuff, which will have an astrological tie. But just, you know, the point is that sometimes the universe comes knocking whether there's a transit or not. So when we're sitting in front of a chart and we're trying to determine something like what she's talking about here. So here's a new moon sitting on top of her north node. Well, those are both trigger areas, right? So the way that you look at this is based on speed. Think of speed. Who is the faster-moving entity and who is the slower-moving entity? The slower-moving entities are the theme builders. The faster-moving entities are the triggers. So the moon can obviously trigger all the time. Mercury, trigger planet, Venus often can be a trigger. So can Mars. Then we start to slow it down. Now, the nodes take about a year and a half to go through a sign, so that puts them on a scale between Jupiter and Saturn as far as speed going through signs. So we're talking theme building. Now, a new moon creates what? Things new, right? I mean, you can kind of correlate that easily enough. So those are new beginnings. And then we're talking about the lunar nodes, which obviously uh, the mean nodes now have moved on into Scorpio Taurus. The true nodes will do that here in a couple of weeks. Actually, January 18th is the date. So by then, both calculations of the nodes of the moon will be fully in the new signs. So there's another element that you could add to this is where are the nodal positions now related to your natal nodal position? And that might embellish how that moon might trigger some things as well. Now, I think that when we are doing our spiritual practice and when we're following this stuff every day, that we basically are able to be sensitive to what those changes might look like. So like we were talking about last week on Tuesday with the Capricornian old structures that don't serve anymore, as you're taking a look at the inventory of your life, and you look at what are some of the events that have been taking place, and you look at what doesn't serve anymore. What is something that you could either start anew, make it fresh, bring it up to date, eliminate, that might move you toward more of that Capricornian North Node position? Of course, being Capricorn North Node means that you're applying structure and discipline, and integrity, and foundation, and legacy kinds of things in your life. So where could those themes be accentuated? What action could you take in order to bring one of those Capricornian areas to fuller fruition? So bottom line, you're using the faster movers in order to trigger or be sensitive to the triggers of the slower themes. Hope that helps. 
Well, I hope this has been fun for you, at least on the weekend, to pound out a few questions. Thank you guys so much, Jessica. Happy birthday to you. We'll be back on Monday morning, kicking off a whole new week. And boy, does it get busy here, especially the third week. And I'm going to be interviewed on Astrology Hub next week. And I've got some podcasts coming on Subconscious Mind Mastery from Fred Dodson. So check out the course. Keep in tune with the podcast. We've got a lot of great stuff coming your way. Have a wonderful weekend. Sending love. Mwah.